0: Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler. my co-host, Ben Bateman, and special guest, Mason Clark. Hello. How are (laughs) you? Doing good. I'm glad to be
1: back. It sounds like, you know, talking to Ben before the show, he's probably glad to be back as well, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about Modern. So,
0: I think it was last week or the week before. I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, I did an entire episode by myself where I just went over a bunch of deck lists and (laughs) I'm glad to have friends back.
1: <laughs> I always message you like if you're ever by yourself and you're down bad, just ping me. I'll probably free most nights. Like you, you don't have to well, be by yourself. I've done that one before. It's hard.
0: <laughs> so, sometimes it's hard because it's like uh, it's it's Friday night and I we didn't record an episode and it's like uh, 10 p.m. Sure. <laughs> and I'm like oh, I'll just do it. I'm I'm not doing anything right now. I'll just figure it out. And like at that point, it's like East Coast. West mm-hmm. Coast time zones. Who knows who's where? But yes, I I saw your message. I I, I very much appreciate it, uh, and thank you for reaching out for for uh for this week because because R I P uh, my condolences. Uh, Yorian the Sky Noodle was banned uh, this week, and you are. I believe the aforementioned expert, uh, or not aforementioned, uh, whatever expert you were the expert (laughs) on all things four color money pile, et cetera. Uh, and so we'll be talking about that for the next hour ish. Um, and
2: yeah, we're excited to have you here. Obviously, you know, it's a big, it's a big moment. It's kind of another moment too, in the, in the cascade of what has turned out to be Wizard's, you know, greatest design mistake, uh, which they've kind of, you know, we, we've sort of heard a lot of people talk about this, that that, that Companion now is the thing that has had this sort, of, and it is the slowly cascading impact. And Alex and I said this maybe a year ago, but I think the comment was like, well, it's the reason that they break magic is because it doesn't matter what, it doesn't really matter how good they are. The best one will always be played because the opportunity cost is so low. And so it's interesting to see that, you know, first Luras I was happy to have Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt this makes the show, but I thought that's a
1: that's a killer line right there. I mean, if you're watching the video uh, version of the show, I just nailed it. I'm just the best to ever to do it, really.
0: <laughs> so Ben Ben is also a companion and is now banned from recording. I don't, know <laughs> that that <laughs> I
2: don't know what that was. Uh, it's just like auto-kicking auto, auto kicked me out. But anyway, I, what I was saying before, I got rudely kicked out. Um, I blame you, Alex is uh that we uh, Michael and I when we were on the road um I can't remember what trip it was it was uh gen con maybe or, or one of one of our trips this summer we just like started referring to like the the nice item on every menu at any restaurant as like the Yorian money pile of the <laughs> restaurant so like the, the nicest steak or like whatever it was it was always like yeah, you know, like the scalloped <laughs> potatoes with steak i was like oh that's the orion money pile on the menu right there um <laughs> that's funny so uh it'll be good to have somebody who can actually talk about what the hell that means i'm not talking about a steak <laughs> <laughs>
0: um before before we jump uh too close into it and then i, I do want to give a chance for mason to tell people where they can find him on the internet uh big shout out to uh sponsors of the show uh both channel fireball and uh TCG player um, where uh, if you want to buy cards, we have uh, below, there's a link uh, for our TCG player affiliate code. Just click on it. And then we, they know that you, we sent you when you buy stuff. Uh, And then for channel fireball, if you use the code, the MM cast, as you check out also uh, a place you can use that code, the MM cast or go on the link below is alter sleeves and, uh, at the end of the episode, we have a special package to open from them for uh, all Patreons, will start getting cool ultra sleeve tech at a certain level, which we'll be talking about towards the end of the episode. Um, we haven't I've had this on my desk for a month and because Ben hasn't been here, I've been waiting to open it. So here we are. Uh, get ready for friends who want to join the Patreon, who of course, thank you so much. And if you want check out the pre-show for all patrons, uh, we recorded about 30 minutes about chainsaw man uh, in both a spoiler free, somewhat spoiler free, fully spoiler uh, tastic uh, uh, review. So also recommend checking, checking that out as well. And then uh, last uh, but not least, uh, we're going to be at MTG summit and magic 30, Uh, but MTG summit, if you are going and you use the code cast K E S S it helps me and Ben both uh when I was, originally it was just me going, but now we're both going. So you you will help both of us have fun and be able to go to that uh and, and help uh, us do that. So if you're going to MT Summit, use the code KESS. We'll both be at both events. Uh Mason, are you going to either? Uh I really wanted to do the Summit. Um, I have a, my friend and podcast
1: co-host, uh, Spencer lives in Utah. And so I had it all kind of lined up, but with the RC being the next weekend, it's really hard for me oh, to be like, yeah. Am I going to do this with work? And one of my coworkers recently left on maternity leave. So, even taking time off of the RC is kind of a whole thing. And so, it was like, I'd want to do this. I, you know, if they do another one, hopefully they will. I'm going to try and make sure I do that one. But it was just too close. And the opportunity to like test with, you know, on previous season was just too high for the RC. So, especially the first sure, RC, sure, sure. you know, if it's the fifth RC, I'm skipping, you know,
0: whatever. <laughs> but the first one, I got to do something. So, right. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, so, so, uh, for people who, you know, weren't here last time you were here, uh where can people find you who 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 are you so my name is mason clark um i host the constructed
1: criticism podcast uh, which is a podcast all about improving at magic and kind of taking that next level if you're someone who's kind of like at your local scene and trying to take the step up from that to kind of like playing RCQs and or RCs I should say uh, this kind of the podcast for you we have a lot of episodes really focused on improvement you might see me over on Card Kingdom where I write for them weekly i tw- i stream on Twitch uh, a lot of people know me as the last dream hack winner cuz i won dream hack with money pile which was the first time i came on the show uh, and i kind of just do the general magic improvement thing i have uh you know a Patreon which i'm I'll always shout out mason clark on Patreon where there's a lot of four color content i I went to bed Sunday night thinking, dang, the four-color money train is over. I can't talk about four-color anymore. And I woke up and everyone wants to talk about four-color. And so there's been a lot of discussion about four-color and the new way to do it, which, uh, you know, we're going to bring a little sneak peek here. But that's kind of how you can find me and where you might know me is all that stuff. Uh, yeah.
0: So, so uh, once again, thank you. And everyone, mm-hmm. thank you. And, and last but not least, hit that like and subscribe button. Hit it. There for a reason, for friendship and having a good time. So, uh, Yorion's banned. Uh, This is, as Ben kind of went through, one of many companions to be banned in many a format. Um, But I I guess for the Money Pile deck, or just in general, uh, I guess from Mason, your perspective, why do you feel like it was banned? And what was it doing in the format that was so powerful?
1: Yeah, so... Yorian, the the Money Pile deck was very good. And there's a lot of data on Moto that proved like it's kind of said, like maybe it's too good, like it's not too good, but it's just a stroll deck. But regardless, it was a deck that had a lot of pressure on the format and it was really hard to overcome. And the Yorion itself provided a lot of value, and it did this thing, which we don't really have a word for in magic theory that I've been talking to with one of my friends about and trying to figure out how to describe it, but basically the Extra 20 cards was really kind of like an extra 13 card because you add lands, but that extra 13 allowed you just to have more answers than your opponent kind of has threats and still have your normal ratio, right? So like when you would play the Yorion deck, you just actually had more things to answer their things than they had things in basically every deck that's a normal deck, you know? You can interact with Storm stuff, but for the most part, if your opponent played normal magic, you had more things than they did. And this sort of like, it's not even like threat density, but like answer density really puts a heavy tax on the game to be like, hey, you need to be playing not traditional magic or you have to be going way underneath me. And those are the two ways you can win and everything else is kind of not going to wash out and be strong enough. So you're going this incredible pressure to go extremely unfair or extremely small and linear. And that's kind of all it like it does that to the format in a way that like it's very hard for anything to survive. And you combine that with Merc Tide on the format which is incredibly punishing to those kind of decks. It creates this environment that means like only like the kind of the tippy top best weird combo decks get to succeed. And we saw that sort of uh, take place in the last couple of months with Breach really rising up in modern as a deck that before couldn't handle all the decks that, you know, Money Pile kept down. But with those gone, it was able to come up and really take a hold on the format. And we saw that, you know, sort of play out with Indomitable Creativity in a very similar way. So Money Pile really oppressed all the fair decks outside of Murktide Regent and just kind of said, you're like not legal if the main goal is winning the tournament and that sort of oppression and just raw efficiency in a deck um, was too much, I think, for the format to reasonably handle. And so they decided to ban Yorion. I think it was either that or Reninsex. I think it was, I think we even talked about this on the show before last time I was here, but those were like the two cards I think you could hit to really hurt money pile. And I think hitting Yorion, a, like we mentioned companions is such a huge mistake, but B, uh, you won almost all your games with Yorion by actually just attacking someone three times with a Yorion and you turned into Delver. And just having a free four or five flyer, even without any value, was actually just too good. And we'll get into this in a little bit. It is kind of like I would kill to have a three, like a three, three flyer. Just anything I could like put on the battlefield for free in my deck. It has proved to be like a challenge that is actually kind of hard to overcome and changes the way you build because you can't just be. answers when it comes to your spells, you have to win a game of magic eventually.
2: So so I have a couple questions there. One Mm -hmm. of them, and I'd like you to get into this is you you talk about answer density, and you talk about how the sheer number of answers you have just outstripped your opponent's ability to interact. First off, how is that different than any other person who could have played 80 cards at any point? Why is that not something people have done? But before you answer that question, because I Mm -hmm. think it'd be good for the audience here to know. Just explain quickly what, what, in a nutshell, Money Pile is. So people kind of understand how the deck works. I think it's probably a good thing for the audience who hasn't heard this before to know.
1: Yeah, sure. So, Money Pile, the four color Yorion deck, essentially was Yorion's a companion, so you have 80 cards. You played every color but black, and your deck was essentially uh, cards that are really messed up that can win the game. So, Renin Six, Omnath. Uh, Solitude into Fairy Three. Those are kind of your main things that you would try to protect to win, and then everything else draws a card or kills something. So expressive iteration, leyline binding, unholy heat, lightning bolt, prismatic ending, counter spell, um, and then you had some small variations. So some people played Eternal Witness so that you could uh, do some cool things with that to get extra value. Some people played Emmer Cool, but basically your game, your main game plan was. Answer everything your opponent does, present one thing that wins the game and kind of ride that to victory, or have that distract the resources enough that you could pick up Yorion and then play it. And the reason uh, for Yorion, which blinked everything, a lot of those things that we talked about playing have a lot of value when you blink them. Like Leyline Binding against Legendary Permanents and Planeswalkers just turned into another kill spell, right? Like you flicker it, they get it back, you kill the new one, it's gone. Same with Ice Fang, all these sort of things. You got a lot of value from flickering them. So that is kind of like what the deck did as to like, why have we not seen 80 cards before? Um, I think it's a few things. The, the first is that magic theory uh, is very advanced. Like, like we're really far from where even we were 10 years ago when I first started playing magic casually to now is incredibly different. Um, that being said, there are still some things that are kind of rooted in history and we haven't really strayed away from. And one of the things is we want our decks to be more consistent so they work all the time. So people never tried really stretching beyond 60 cards. Because your deck's less consistent and the payoff wasn't worth that. The only time in history we've really seen it not be that way is one scapeshift deck in modern GP Top 8 and then one Abzan aggro deck during a fetch format. And then besides that, they've been outliers. Uh, and the main reason is it just actually isn't worth it you don't have the consistency in your deck and you're going to flood out and not be able to find everything. And in the past, we didn't have enough answers to really make it worth that in that kind of format where Yorion, are uh, having the four or five that can flicker things like abundant growth, Ice Fang, coattles, Omnaths, et cetera, and draw you a couple of cards makes it so that it's much easier to actually play those extra 20 cards and not have that be a drawback. And, because now we've reached this sort of density in answers, the four or five can actually go the distance. So it doesn't matter that I don't have the right answer; I just have an answer, and I can make that work.
0: Plus, plus Yorion, as like all companions, like he offers the solution to the problem that an eighty card deck would uh, propose. Right? If you flood out, you have Yorion sitting there, able to be the card your draw your your lands ramp you into, or you you flood into, and, and similar right. to compa- commander, like keeping a seven land hand is a lot more safe in a commander game than any other format because you have your commander there to be a card draw engine or advantage engine available. So it, it like it helps mitigate the swinginess of the more d- cards you have in a deck, the more sometimes you'll just hit pockets of land in a way that you wouldn't in a 60 card deck. Mm-hmm. So like while Kahira or Gigantha, for the most part, are just
2: an extra card that you have, it's sort of just there, it's fine, why wouldn't you play it if you could... Yorion is actually an important part of the deck, because I know for a while early on when Lurus was legal, Yorion actually wasn't that essential to a lot of the decks it was in. It was like you'd see lists with Yorion. It would just be like, well, this isn't even that good in the deck. It's just this deck can play this card, so it's going to play this card. But it sounds like in the version that you were playing and the reason it got banned is because the card actually was quite essential and very good in the deck.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, things changed and we got better at building the Yorion decks and also some new cards came out which, you know, helped with that. Things like Yorion and Dress Down actually work together if you stack the triggers correctly, which like makes it so like you play Yorion, trigger on the stack, flash in dress down, draw a card, flicker it till end of turn, draw a card again. You don't get a turn. And like as players got better at building the decks and we got cards like that and we learned how to use them, uh, and the metagame kind of condensed more and more around it, um, Yorion just became much a more vital part of the deck. And, you know, we just got better at abusing it. So
2: Interesting. Very yeah. cool. Well, So first question I have then in, in the sort of post-ban world is, uh, is, is four-color as a 60-card deck still viable? Do you think it's still something that can be played? So that that is an interesting thing. Uh, I think there will
1: probably be some four to five-color soupy deck. Uh, I've started, I've done a pile where soup, um, it's something like that will probably exist. It is pretty hard, I think, right now to know, to tell you exactly what that will look like. Um, but I can tell you that I think the tools are kind of there and you can have very similar. I have a lot of value. I have these strong cards like Ren and Six and Omnath are still in the format and there are still cards that will win you games if you can protect them. The problem is actually not only protecting them, but having stuff that wins the game because Omnath does a really good job. Of getting you to the thing that wins the game, but it doesn't really win games on its own unless your opponent's main resource of killing you is damage, in which case the seven life from a fetch typically is enough to undo it. Um, so you actually have to figure out how to win. And that has been the problem for the last couple of days where early on it's like, well, how do I actually win games? Because before, let's say we were playing as blue white control as the the Yorion version. I had way more value in that answer density we talked about where they couldn't beat me. I could just systematically answer everything, and then eventually one of my things crossed the finish line, or unironically they deck. That is like a serious thing that happens. Um, Now that is not the case. They go over the top of me in a way that I can't quite answer yet, and I have to kind of adjust my deck for that. And the pile decks in general were notorious for being really bad against the various weird parts of Modern. So when it comes to like playing it right now, when modern's kind of up in the air and as we'll talk about later, I think we have like a pretty good idea of what some of the top decks are going to be with people trying out things and exploring stuff. Now that the four color deck is gone, quote unquote, it's made it really hard to like build a deck that's tuned to beat things when you don't know what you're trying to beat. So
0: answer your question, reason that like mono red is the most successful pro tour deck of all time, because every pro tour was like, this is a new format, new standard, new set, whatever new banning announcement and so control decks don't succeed in that environment unless there's a unless they're too good <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so then model ret just like the safe bet is what's every good red card and standard i probably am going to do well and and going into any environment where like i want my answers to match up correctly to the environment as well as knowing when i need which answers and you don't know what the environment is that's the format we're about to enter i want to briefly talk about because you know we touched upon like from a metagame defining perspective was this deck too good and and it was kind of close to the line but the w- reasons that wizards gave were kind of beyond that which was you know yorian is also joining not just Luris in the companion land of these, these this mechanic is broken but actually more top and second sunrise in the uh in a large scale two-day tournament this deck doesn't has limitations to the way t- tournaments will run on a timely manner that we're concerned about. And like, you know, uh, obviously, like, it's fun watching people respond to TikTok <laughs> announcements that were videos being like, uh, commander players are laughing at how it, you know, these modern players can't shuffle their 80 card decks or whatever. But, you know, a, the, with second sunrise, this was true as well. If you're a good second sunrise player, or if you're a good, if you're a master, uh, top uh, uh, countertop player, you don't go to time very often because you know all the decisions you need. But when a deck is good enough where it's, you know, oh, this should be 25% of the metagame, then people start playing the deck because they know it's the best deck, which we'll talk about. Ben's literally going to ask later in the podcast, like, which deck should I play going into this modern tournament, having not uh, uh, not figuring out what what the metagame is going to look like. So people are going to be like, oh, what's the best deck? I'll play that. And that's when you run into decision fatigue, slowing down how you're going to play. Every decision takes a little bit longer. And then added to the fact that the quantity of fetch lands in Modern is high compared to every other format other than maybe Legacy. And I would argue it's higher than Legacy just because Modern is a 25 land format where Brainstorm allows Legacy to be a 19 land card format. Uh, And Ren and Six.
1: Ren and Six says you should play more fetches.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and Ren and is in Legacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and and then you know, shuffling in commander, like it, it was so all Olive kind of posted like commander players can shuffle, no problem. But like kind of the points I brought up to it was one commander d- games are uh famously longer than any other version of magic (laughs) Two, uh shuffling happens not during the moment you need to shuffle normally when you shuffle in a commander game i'm shuffling on ben's turn while he's doing his game actions because no one cares and three um you know the the general amount of fetch lands as a percentage just can't be that high because you can at max have 10 in your deck if you're playing a five color deck and so those things together plus you know famously modern players have smaller hands than commander players which is
1: so i i i I am not a joke point even though like i know you're kind of joking there um that is something that uh i know have known players whose hands are like actually too small and to sufficiently randomize the money pile deck you kind of need to riffle shuffle it which mm-hmm. uh, I, I tweeted this, I got like a lot of responses, but I have the risk guard here. I got carpal tunnel from playing money pile, double sleeved riffle, shuffling it a bunch every round and doing it quickly because so I, I only had one draw or well, two draws to the deck ever. And so I'm like doing these things and having to play very fast. But there were people who literally, they couldn't play single sleeved eighty card. And that's not a problem at the commander table. Like they can right. shuffle their deck and then like you mentioned do on the turn or just everyone's talking, having fun. But when you get this tournament setting, it's really awkward. And also it feels really like maybe bad isn't the right word, but they feel like I told these people, like, don't feel bad. that it takes a little longer to shuffle. Like, you know, it is what it is. That's your life. But they do feel that way. And when you're the person who takes a little bit longer, you can't help but feel judged because, you know, your hands just literally can't get the 80 cards. And and that's like like, a serious thing. no, no. No, and
0: and I would also argue that in Commander, that I will 99% of games are not shuffled to a competitive REL level. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> right? Like in, in Commander, I fetched I'll shuffle three times, whatever. In modern, in a real tournament, you have to prove to a judge I mean, not every time you shuffle, but a judge has to be able to walk up to you and while you're shuffling, prove that you shuffled it enough for their their definition of, of randomization. And even like like the joke was a a, a joke, but like having a best deck in the format be unable to be played by a significant portion of the players of that format, not due to skill level or affordability, but to physical limitation is bad for magic. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) really bad when you're like, this is the best deck. I want to play this. I can play this incredibly well on Modo. I can't play it in real life. Why am I even going to this tournament? Like that is such a huge like red flag, uh, personally. I and mean, you know, no, no, why, I, I, you think, know, I, wherever I think every lay that's, there yourself.
2: Well, it's, it, it it speaks to once again kind of something we talked about a minute ago, which is you know fundamentally, magic was designed as a game that very quickly after the first year of forty card decks, sixty cards became the norm within a year of the game releasing, right? And that and and for lots of reasons, for the sake of consistency, I think for the sake of like it's a good size of deck, it's pretty playable, it's easy to shuffle companions, obviously, that just functionally changed magic. But it also, as you said, it encouraged this large portion of a format to play a deck size that was not in that style when you have to break and shuffle all the time, particularly feasible. Um, And it's another example of like, essentially the game breaking because of this mechanic, because you're being rewarded, right? Like you're being rewarded in this way, having access to this thing. So, so okay, Lutri obviously, you know, banned and
0: commander when it when announced, and then we uh, get before I want to sorry not to keep interrupting you as you jump to the next subject. <laughs> I wanted to talk about one more thing, and that is and that is the joke about it being called money pile, right? Like that's that's like the untalked about, I think, feature to this, which mm-hmm. is that Wizards can never admit, right? But it is bad PR for your best deck in your format to be officially canonly named Money Pile, <laughs> where, like, I think we did the math on it a few episodes uh, a few months ago on the podcast. The deck itself, due to its high percentage of of the metagame and the significant increase in cost versus another deck, upped the average cost of Modern by $200. Like the cost of a standard deck is how much more money pile made all of modern by existing. (laughs) And I think that is the last kind of not, not the reason wizards will ever admit. And obviously there's definitely concerns that they weren't feeling because of this, but it also is a part of this where it's like all of these things we've said, physicality, timeliness, power level, but also like this is a pile of hundred dollar cards, a hundred of them. (laughs) extremely expensive. I mean, we
2: Magic hasn't been at a place Magic hasn't really been at that place in a while. I mean, standard over the over the years has come way down. Standard there was a time like over 10 years ago when standard decks would routinely get in the $1500 range. That doesn't really happen anymore with the way cards are printed. Even modern because of because of horizons, because of the way that the format changed and evolved, the average deck was no longer like 2,500 by like $2,200 like that started to change this is a
0: this is Jund a bit is of a $1,200 deck and that was like that's such an expensive deck Jun players are crazy well <laughs> yeah John was more
1: expensive than money pile was now like back then Jun, not even counting for inflation just Jun. my understanding is Jun during the heyday which I didn't play then to my money pile deck now it was like a hundred dollars more on average
2: well, right, yeah, because right. it was, but, like, it was, like, it was but like $400 Liliana's or like 80 maybe. It was like $400 plus Tarmogoyfs. It so was all mm. the fetches that back then were anywhere between $50 and $80. Blackleaf Cliffs used to be like $45 each, and you had to play four of them. Thought yeah. were $25. I mean, like, that deck was crazy expensive back in the day.
0: Um, yeah, it well, and, was and, and you point to standard, too. Like, Money Pile reminds me a lot of the four color Jace days, right? Or five color Jace Vince Prodigies days, where it's like, magic doesn't function well when the best deck is just a pile of every color or as many colors or, or four or more colors I think like yeah. the biggest mistake in commander is making four color decks feasible and it's a mistake that would have never not been made like they had to eventually rip that bandaid off but I think like Long term, that's like people complain about the companion, not the companion, the, the partner mechanic. I think the four color mechanic is more of the issue than necessarily that. And and this deck was a part of that. Once you get to that state, the decks skyrocket in price. One of the reasons Jun got really expensive during its heyday was both card availability, but also once they banned Blood Raid Elf and Death Rate Shaman, it became, or once they banned Blood Raid Elf, it became this four color Death Shaman deck. that was just like, played the 60 best cards in the format whatever those are here's a pile of them and that will eventually kind of like pigeonhole the price of a deck into a higher level than is probably healthy for any environment also an interesting thing you mentioned alex too the it's the evolution of magic it's how many cards
2: we have available to us now and and this goes across all formats i mean you mentioned it in commander obviously the four color thing and that's very specific because you need to have the the requisite number of commanders that are actually good that you can play to build those decks but you know, we've talked over the years about Highlander Gauntlet, this 100 card singleton format. And I remember um, a couple of years ago looking at the artifact deck that I had built, which classically originally when I built it was was a red white deck It was kind of aggressive, played a bunch of like affinity style creatures. And and then I was like, oh, I could probably make room for a third color here. There's like tons of fixing. There's plenty of good cards. I'm not using in another deck. And then eventually I was like, wait, but there's so many cards that reward me for just playing five colors like there's so many like single pip two color cards that I should just be playing in this deck, right? I should be playing Dak Faden. I should be playing Oko. I should be playing. Uh, and I was like, well, Brea is great. I'll just play Brea in this deck. Why not? And then it's like, oh, this can just be five colors and it doesn't suffer at all because there's enough things available to me now that reward you for doing that. Magic's just at a different place with that sort of thing than it's ever been before. And this will continue to be a problem in, in every format, frankly, like standard's probably the only one that will avoid it because they can continually update what's legal. But even with Pioneer, it, it, that'll become a format where playing four colors, it becomes extremely common and easy to do at some point. It'll just be... Well, the the
1: five-color Ignamic deck is already starting to become like a top 10, probably top five deck, to be honest. Yeah. And I think the the thing, I agree with everything I've said, but like Triomes as well, when it comes to like the competitive scene, that totally. has been a huge, like it a, a tap land is a big cost. But one or two tap lands in your deck is not the end of the world, especially when you have a card like Red and Six, which I know I harp on all the time. But it it really does invalidate that, and also reward you for playing this, these these tri lands. So, the the triomes have been a huge game changer uh, for modern.
2: And that's like that. There's an inevitability of design there, right? This is like you said a second ago, Alex, about four color. This was eventually going to happen. Everything in Magic's eventually going to get designed. There's there's an there's no way after this much time that they can avoid completing cycles, giving us things that we want, like, and and they'll just, bannings are inevitable. There's no way they can release the sheer amount of product they release every year without puzzles being solved, right? Like, the, like that's sort of some of the beauty of original magic and that original set, those original 10 years is like, there was a lot of things they were trying out they had never tried before they had like right? Like there's the first dual lands, but the the second actually good playable lands that could produce two colors that took a while. It was a while before we had pain lands. It took a few years, right? There was a ton of really bad dual lands over the years. All those ones from visions are horrible. Basically like Everything from Tempest is unplayable. Like so many of those cards are absolute trash. You want a land that
0: draws you cards, prevents all damage ever dealt to you, does damage to creatures, sacks creatures that make twice as much mana as you would normally be like, you can find it. You want a land that produces more than one color of mana. Good luck. (laughs) Right. And it's, it's, that's, that's the sort of, it's the
2: same kind of conversation with almost every puzzle, which is essentially why, when you look to classic cards like lightning bolt, why is it arguably the most important and perfect magic card ever printed? Because after 30 years, nothing has actually one upped it. It's been like, consistent in its rate and, and its design for so 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 long. And that's extremely rare in magic. That's not something that we get very often. Those types of things are, are literally unicorns in Magic's history. The simplicity of that that is still competitive and wonderful today.
0: It's one of the reasons that, like, I think they waited so long to print Counterspell. And one of the reasons I think they, like, might never unban Preordain or Ponder is because by not unbanning them, they get to print Opt and Consider and Expand. You know, like, they get to play variants on what they know is the, like, they now know the line of Too Good is Preordain. So then any blue one mana cantrip they print just has to be worse than Preordain. And then. You get a cool library of like, oh, this is an instant. This is a sorcery, but you mill the card instead of drawing it. This mills two cards, then draws a card. This gives your creature protection, you know, and then with counterspell, they eventually printed it because it's just like it's such an iconic card that I think they like were eventually going to do it regardless. But like now, though, that means like remand is just never going to see play moderate again unless there's some weird combo that benefits you from count. returning your own spell to your hand and drawing a card.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, mean, obviously, Counterspell versus Remand, like Counterspell is much stronger than Remand, but we have seen Remand come in some combo decks, like when you see the French Saheli Cat decks do well in events, they often play Remand because they really value that, like, hey, I just want the card... Get it like getting me a card is better than like actually getting you down a card right i just right. want this time i need time. to delay
0: you and i need yes. mana that's cat a card that's castable <laughs>
1: yeah and like remains like weirdly good against a lot of the cascade cards where like the cascade decks are right. very good in modern we'll get to that soon but putting like living in back in the living in player's hand has become a little bit of a liability with grief but it is like much better than putting it in their graveyard because there are things like endurance and like you don't want to shuffle that living in back in so it is cool that there are things like that but yeah it is Also kind of lame that we have the best version of this now, and it's going to be very hard to ever top that best version.
2: Um, Also, I think really interesting to, you know, I mean, I guess I've been playing magic for so long uh, since so close to the beginning. Now, my memory of those old sets feels like uh, I have like I have memory of those different things coming out. But I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that a card like Ponder, for instance, which is still the new card face is now you know pretty soon that's going to be a 15-year-old Magic card. Uh, In fact, it might be 15 years old already. And that's half, right? They had made it halfway through, yet still what you're saying, Alex, about them figuring out those those design things where they're like, they kind of know the line now. It's like they still hadn't actually figured out the line yet. It took them over a decade to start to figure some of that stuff out where it feels like now design is a lot more systematic. There's a much bigger staff. There's way more people involved in it. You have a lot of people who have designed the most successful products who have stuck around. They've been tasked with making the next most successful products. And so it is, you know, everybody knows like the first five years of Magic is just a ton of bizarre clunky cards, like stuff that doesn't even make any sense. But even that, that really went quite a bit longer than the first few years. It took them over a decade, I think, to start to really iron out what was going to be good. Like Mirrodin is a good example, right? Mirrodin was 10 years and Mirrodin still is chock full of mistakes like, but like like GTA is the next set, right? That's 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 eleven years into designing the game, and they were still doing stuff like that. So it's not surprising that Companion, you know, twenty six years in, can happen. It's just as 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 figured out as it is. There's still
0: always going to be stumbling blocks when it comes to design. And I think some of it's too, like some of it is a change in design philosophy, right? I mean, Fire design gets blamed a lot for bad decisions or whatever, but I, I think in general the idea of like cards should. The cards that people find powerful and cool, we shouldn't avoid making ever again, is I think like kind of a good response, right? Where it's like Mm. people like one mana blue cantrips, some of the most fun games people have ever played in magic and the best decks ever that have a lot of fond memories of war that we don't want to print ponder, which we know is maybe over the line, but. We'll try. Consider. We'll try. You know. We'll try. What are what? What's the line that we can get to to make cool versions of this card that that are playable? And and because well, I think
2: when you compare, when you compare, let's let's take like two cards designed in the last several years and think about them. Uh, Omnat's a good example of a card that is like so. It's so uh, illustrative of what that type of design is, which is like we're going to staple all of these colors and all of these powerful pushed abilities onto this one. Inevitability engine, very like Uro sort of design. And it's going to be like, this is just going to get you ahead if you can resolve it and stay in the game. And your deck, like it's very hard for that card to not be extremely good when it's in play versus something like offer you can't refuse, which is like just a very cool one mana blue spell. And it's different than other ones that we've seen that do the same thing. It's taking a design space that we've had plenty of good cards in, and it's finding a new way to get us a card that can cost the same cost as a lot of my favorite cards of all time. But it's, you know, but it's good, right? It's like, it's an interesting design versus, I mean, Omnath is an interesting design. It's just that it's a extremely top heavy, like sort of beast of a card. And in my opinion, maybe this is Boomer in me talking, I, I don't really like cards like Earl very much. Like they're, they're like sort of my least favorite part of modern magic because I never like playing against them because they don't feel like they... They they function in like a like they're too fair, right? They're extremely they're the highest end of fair because they're so consistent, and they're just very hard to play against. They they they're not. I don't know. If, I don't know if I would
0: describe Uro as fair,
2: but you're. I, you're I think a statement you're value, of like
0: you're too too much value for too easy of a lifestyle.
1: Well, they're they're. Uh, I, I can't think of the exact way to describe this, but they're almost too tweaked. They're too they're too they're too game designered, where it's like oh we need to get this. We need something like this. And we've tweaked it, tweaked it, tweaked it. Like a good example is graveyard. Trespasser is a strong card that is impactful and pioneer and less so in standard, but in a lot of worlds it would be very good in standard. And that's just a card. That's just like, it's a rate three, three. It's hard to kill. interrupts your opponent's game plan. gains you some life, loses you some life. And it's like, that's not bad design by any means nor what I call it that, but it is very much like we have a problem we need to solve. We put these graveyard cards. Let's put the answer in the set, you know, and like, that is them kind of doing that. And Uro is kind of like the inverse of like, these are the cool cards. Let's push the cool cards. And I like pushing the cool cards, but I think there are ways of like doing Uro versus doing, you know, Obnixilus, for example. I think- Well, I
2: also think that you end up with stuff, you know, you you end up, I think I saw, who was it? Somebody on Twitter the other day was talking about this and they were saying the, the biggest design mistake in Magic of the last years was Modern Horizons 1 and 2. And, and there was it was like pretty descriptive. I can't remember who posted it. But the, the whole idea was like it's invalidated all of this history with all of these like sort of traditionally good cards in magic because it's pushed everything to the level that you have to be playing at this extremely powerful competitive level. And many of the cards that we used to play are now invalid because they've been one upped. And I don't know if I agree with this by any means, but I do think that a card like like Murktide Regents, a great example of a card where. What was the commander card that it's ripped off of? The six mana flyer that gets a spell back in your hand? Aether Whale or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a whale. That, it's a delve a three, whale. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty three sure three it's delve. Aether Whale.
2: <laughs> yeah, the three three delve thing that when you attack gets a spell back in your hand. Like that's like the original design version of the card that becomes Murktide, right? It's it's a it's a similar design, but Murktide is so hyper efficient in what it's doing. But I think of that card as a different type of card than Omnath because it's just still doing one thing really really efficiently. It's just a big thing for cheap. I can still just path it. You can still just get rid of it with one removal spell. It doesn't it doesn't like put you so it doesn't like have repeat effects that are super good. It's just a really good big thing for cheap, which is essentially the same thing Tarmogoyf used to be. It's just an updated bigger better version of the same idea. And those things are always fine. That's just a power level push, right? It's when you it's when you do those things And then when you put onto them are all of these other bells and whistles that make them extremely hard to interact with, that then fundamentally changes the one for one sort of idea of magic gameplay, which is so important to magic. You have to be able to play those one for one exchanges profitably. Otherwise, most magic cards are invalidated because most cards aren't like Uro.
0: Then in the conversation of like overpushed mechanics, we come back to companion. It now, you know. Probably one of the most banned mechanics of all time. Like it's like that in delve, and delve has really only hit two cards consistently. We now have probably four playable companions moving up. Gigantha being the front re- runner with Kahira just being a free roll behind, and then Obosh and Lutri. I guess being the po- like there is a Lutri deck and Obosh Death Shadow decks. I've seen seen relatively often with like, and I guess there's. The red white one, which I'm forgetting the name of, uh, Zagarda. Yeah, Zagard like Zerta. Zerta is just yeah. like hiding in the corner, not currently broken. But the moment they print a card that accidentally goes infinite with Zerta, Zerta becomes the problem, <laughs> which red is why I in Legacy. Um, and so those are kind of like the remaining good ones. Are are we just gonna? Is just Giganta going to get banned in six months? <laughs> or Kihira? <laughs>
1: it's interesting i i think gigantha is bad enough that if it is banned it is not because of a power level like it's not like a gigantha is doing what omneth did uh even though it might um it might just be like hey we can play jun colors and trade off and then i have a five five and i kill you um evasion on your arm was a pretty big part of that um i think it would probably get banned because they're like hey we feel like we're gonna end up we've we've kind of come to a conclusion that hey maybe we think it might be cool for Magic to have these for a while, but we foresee them all going to get banned at one point. We are going to circumvent that because of the player base, and we think that we did this implica- implication of the implementation of the uh, mechanic wrong, and so they like kind of axed Jiganta. But like is uh, strong and Pioneer, it's really good there. But it's like not like when my opponent plays it in Modern, I'm kind of like, yikesers, you know? <laughs> like that card's supposed to be discard the Ledger Shredder or whatever, you know? It's not really a thing you're excited to be doing, so. It- it's like purpose is
0: almost like Intron is the one place it's decent because it's a backup plan against Blood Moon. But then, other than that, why it's just a five mana. Well, it's not, it's good because it pitches threat. to
1: Fury, Endurance, and uh, Force of Vigor. That's why it's strong. Like, well, so,
2: yeah, so yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, this, so here's the question, because like, you know, like many people have kind of acknowledged that that Companion is the is the most problematic design mistake. Like, I think it's it's obviously pretty instantly was changed. And then even after being changed, you have multiple bannings now, and there's sort of been this cavalcade of banning. So I remember a while back, Alex, you and I had the conversation about at what cost, if it wasn't three mana to put it in your hand, at what cost would companions become unplayable? And I, I think at the time, my statement was, it doesn't really matter because the 15th slot in, your, slot in your sideboard, as long as the deck building restriction is something that you can work within, which all of these decks that have played these cards work within that just fine, it doesn't really matter, right? Like if it's available to you, even if it costs 12 to put it into your hand, which maybe that would invalidate it. Like at a certain point, it's just a free roll to have the extra card when you need it, even if it only comes up like occasionally. And so the first question I have for you uh, is, do you think that there would be a cost at what point, at which point these cards would just cease to be playable? Do you think that like it's, is it six mana? They'd be unplayable nine. I think it depends. I think,
1: it's not a clean answer, but the answer is to have it vary for companion to companion. Ah, so, for example, okay. Giganta, I think probably I would say four is like a safe place where like, oh, it's like right at the line or whatever, where something like Yorian rewards the game going along. Right. So, like, for example, let's say they reintroduce this mechanic companion mechanic. I told you the number where the number has to be really high because of Yorian. Right. Like that's in. You could argue Luris in a very similar way. You could build a Snapcaster control deck where you trade cards a bunch and then get to the lands and pick up your Luris. So I, I would guess it has to vary. If you've, like, got into my head and made me fix the problem, I would say eight. Like, eight is just so much mana. for Like, I don't care how good having an, a free card is. Eight mana is just, like, way too much for, like, all that sort of thing. And it would still probably see play in certain environments, you know? So well, yeah, like Tr- Tron would just still play Giganta because it's a free card. And exactly. And you maybe like... need to start. You, what you really need to do is this is the the actual problem with companions. Uh, well, there's a lot of problems, but <laughs> I think that they made the companions hybrid for draft, which is a problem. And they should have not served that master. And they should have been all two colors. And then once they are two colors, that solves a lot of problems. It doesn't fix it. But if Lurus is a black white card instead of a black or white card, that changes the dynamic of Lurus a lot. And that is like a huge nerf to Lurus. Uh And the same, I think, is true for most of the companions. While it is overcomable, I think like, imagine if your Luris deck had to be Orzhov based or like right. splash a color, right? Like that is a that is a big cost that has implications on it. And like Yorion, if it has to be like Azorius in three, that is a lot different than white or blue. Like there are mono white decks that played Yorion or like white red decks. And, like, it really stretches the color and has no real cost. We talked about mana getting better, so, like, maybe this isn't a huge, like, actual fix, but they just didn't put enough restrictions on these cards in general and from picking them up to how to cast them. So, you know, I think they just can't really do Companions in the current iteration, even though I think the idea behind Companion is noble. And to, like, kind of end the conversation, at least personally, uh, I think it is good for Magic to take risks. And, like, you kind of have to, right, when you have a big game. And I much rather them swing and a miss on these companions than give me, you
2: know, Exelon two electric boogaloo. So yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think, I think we we all agree with that, right? Like we have talked yeah. about this before that that I think play like they do this because players get excited about cards that are powerful and they want to open those cards that are powerful and that's better for Magic and it's more fun and those cards are more fun. Um, so I think everybody does prefer that. It is kind of hysterical to think about the fact that. Like it's hard to imagine that these cards were designed without any cost to put them into your hand,
0: right? Like, like it's just I like so, I miss it so like, much in in Commander, where <laughs> <laughs> <Or laughs> Command, like that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that it seems so
2: crazy. We're talking about eight mana, like you didn't even say six, right? Like, mm-hmm. like and you can literally equate this to you know six drops. How many six drops get played in Modern? Right, there's a couple ever that get played like in high numbers. Other than Tron, there's like no eight drops basically that get played in modern. And that's what we're talking about. It would be like the fair number. And it costs nothing originally zero.
0: That's like eight, eight drops are like, yeah. yeah. Not actually, you're, you know. Leyline <laughs> like, binding is the best six man, drop right. of all time, you know? It's right, like, right. <laughs>
2: you know. So, Alex, unless you have anything else you want to send, companions, I, I, I was going to ask a question about this. This
0: beta I drop. Say, I'm really excited for Ixalan too, because I like the world and mechanics of the set, or the world of the set is like one of my favorite. And the power level was so low that like, I don't like most cards from it. But like them going back and being like, no, 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 this will be the time it's good. I'm like very excited for some broken pirates and dinosaurs. But yeah, we can talk about something else. <laughs> I remember, yeah, broken pirates and dinosaurs <laughs> never too. never about companion before. <laughs> I've tried to build a time stream nav- navigator deck
2: in modern forever, and it's just not good enough. There's just no way to do it. I've tried over and over again. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm going to be uh, a magic 30, as you mentioned, Alex, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I haven't gotten to play a lot of modern lately. It's been a while. Obviously, we talk about it and I, I pay attention to what's good. But I was starting to assemble the cards for Merc Tide because I traditionally like blue red decks. It's, it's very much my play style. I have about half the cards and obviously Alex has all of the cards. So I could just literally hit him up and get them all from him anyway. But uh, I, <laughs> uh, he's like not gonna let me. So, but now that that four color has been nerfed um, or at least on some level nerfed and there's gonna be a shakeup. If you were gonna recommend like a seasoned magic player that hasn't played the format in a while. So user-friendly, where do you go? What do you think is a good a good recommendation for a, for a tournament? Because I'm going to play in the beta draft tournament. I'm going to try to get in that beta draft.
1: Well, I, I think, you know, you struck gold with your suggestion. Well, you figured out on your own. I think Merktide. it is the classic sort of like the new classic and modern. It's just a consistent. It plays traditional magic. Your counter spells. It's really fun. It's really strong. I think that's really good. I think um, the recto scam deck, as it is called, it is just a mid-range deck that has some uh kind of cheesy elements i think that deck is really strong and honestly it was a real play in the format and it's only really terrible matchup was the four color money pile deck so uh with that being gone you know obviously there are implications like jun's a playable deck now and like we'll probably get into like how i think john saga is a good deck eventually but you know those are two things i would jump out to i think uh if you're a more aggressive player you should really look to play hammer time uh the hammer okay, deck is to. really good and that's a good one um even if you haven't played in a while, there's some newer cards, the Urge Saga that are kind of weird. But, you know, if you just take a second to get them down, I think it should be pretty good. And then if you're like a real combo player, um, Living End is a great deck. The Rhinos deck um, is kind of like a cool tempo deck if you like those and you don't want to play tide for whatever reason. And then Blue White Control. I think every deck I just listed is totally reasonable to great, depending on the deck. And if you haven't played in a while, that kind of gives you, you know, oh, that was my play style. I should play that,
0: you know? Well, and, yeah. and so... It- and, and, and that actually kind of leads. So if you were to look at what, what were your best matchups in the four color money pile <laughs> deck? Cause like theoretically <laughs> that's the decks to play now. <laughs> well, it's in, in, like bad math. <laughs> the Blue eye control was one of our best matchups. John was like a buy.
1: Uh, and similarly, like basically, and this is kind of the problem decks that played to the battlefield and tried to play magic in a normal sense. Those were the good matchups. So like Yog Moth, hammer time money uh sorry jund rakdos control uh i honestly think was a good matchup um even their whole game plan came down to counter plus Merktide, and if you could beat that and navigate through that you would win so like that's another good matchup uh like these are all decks that just like they were still succeeding in modern despite four color like a lot of those i just mentioned maybe except for jund um but those were like the good matchups for you. Um, and honestly, a lot of the time, Blue White Control looked to be like the deck. When Living End was the de facto combo deck, it was like, oh wow, Blue White is actually just the stone colds against everything in the field. It crushes Merktide, it crushes Hammer, it crushes Living End, but it got so crushed by Four Color that it's like, I can't play it. You know, I just can't afford to like reach that deck in the finals and lose. Because it also crushes most of these decks. So blue Eye Control, I guess, and Jund are the ones that are gone. And the decks that... I, I always think a deck that can survive something as oppressive of this is a good showing. So, like, moth Hammer, Murktide. Like, moth is a deck I would suggest for people to play, but if you haven't played in a while, I wouldn't suggest it because it's really finicky. And it's like, if you like that sort of thing and you love pod decks, go off. It's great. Um, but it is, like, much harder for me if the cell If the goal is to say you haven't played Magic in a while, pick it up, that is,
2: like, you know, when it's a little scarier for me to endorse but well it's like it's, it's like it's like when it comes to basic if you're a veteran of magic like I'm I've, you know I've been playing since 1995 and I've played in plenty of tournaments and done tons of stuff with it so in terms of basic fundamentals I have no real concern over that it's more like if you're going to be playing in a competitive tournament with a very refined format there are certain interactions there are certain card interactions that will win or lose you the game if you don't know how to navigate that's where a deck like Yagmoth is going to be very difficult to do. You talked about it with like Yorian Dressdown stuff like that, where you really have to play those interactions. You have to like know them a little bit. Otherwise you're going to do it wrong. It's a competitive tournament. You're going to start out hot. Even you might go four 0 to start and then you make that stupid mistake and there's your first loss and you didn't need to lose. And you just don't know how those cards interact. And that's, I don't know if there's honestly a single deck you could take maybe burn, maybe that's the one maybe you could take a burn deck and that when you'd be able to skip out on any of those types of interactions but think, even then you have to be able to like burn out your opponent's things in response to triggers so like you kind of have you could to know
0: something like the grinding station deck too right like a, a, you're gonna play a tempo plan and then you gold fishing learn like oh this is the combo this is how i win if i draw this because like that plays a lot like what the old Malira decks used to play with right where yeah. it's like i'm playing a beat down deck with that was hate bears this is control control cards and then if you try and interact on the level of my beatdown deck i'll just win with this this combo that i happened to draw the three cards for while you weren't paying attention or you have to hold up all of your interaction for the combo because at any moment i could win and in the meantime this ledger shredder is doing six damage to you every turn in the air and you don't have a blocker like that's i think like and you can win on turn two (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah All the and wild. he's like, like i like, have it do you not <laughs> do you- <laughs> did you have endurance
1: no that sucks would you like to shuffle up for game two that's cool <laughs> you know
0: like i don't know yeah th- i mean that deck that deck is definitely super sweet i've been like watching it like creep up as a percentage of the like but as last, a good like, friend like,
1: of jesse robkin i have had i have been the punching bag for breach for months now uh i have played against that deck a lot <laughs> so yeah it's, it's I, like, very good. Like, That's a deck that yeah. if, if you want to play it and you know how to play it, I highly suggest that one. But if you're picking things up, probably play Merktide instead.
0: So. Which is, I mean, it's, it's they're in some ways, similar game plans. It should, instead of the combo, you have a Merktide region that you're playing with. Yeah. Um, you, you have a combo.
1: It's counter spell plus Merktide. It's probably good yeah. enough to beat most players. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and so, so the next kind of, or I guess, I guess, uh, you know, other decks that I think are interesting, like Merfolk has made this big like resurgence for the first time in four years. <laughs> maybe more it than just that. Got so Ironically, since before Ixalan, the last time it got any cards added to it. <laughs> um uh I know that like that's one that I've seen a lot on the internet being like in the new format, this is actually maybe well positioned, partially because it beats down well on the decks that used to get beat down by Omnath, I think, right? Hmm. Where it's like the blue eye control has, you know. A problem with this john has a problem because you're eating their lands and you can interact with their interaction while beating them down um i mean i think the Yogmoth problem uh, to your point I, I wanted to bring this up too is like the birthing pod decks have classically been one of the hardest or birthing the birthing pod family of decks have always been one of the hardest decks in the format to learn because it's based on tutoring for silver bullets to any situation and it's why it took like four years for everyone to realize that Birthing pot actually was the best card in modern. Uh, and then it got banned because everyone's like had to learn what the actual 60 cards needed to be and then how to play it. Um, so I do agree that like Yagmoth would be hard to pick up with mm-hmm. a month, month and, of practice or less.
1: Yeah. And both these decks, by the way, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this more, they have the fury problem. Uh, which is they can't beat the card Fury, uh, which the the four color deck played and would like ephemerate and stuff. And so the new four color lists are probably going to be a lot heavier on Fury, I would guess, because I think they have to be elemental stacks and like a based. based. Um, so you might see that again. But for now, now is your time to play your creatures because Fury is at an all time low when it comes to being played.
0: And and so that that I guess is the 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 next the, maybe the last question we're we I think we're at an hour now uh, into recording. So what is the future of four color? I mean, uh, you you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is a hint that like I, we don't, you don't think at least, or at least the internet doesn't think this deck is going away necessarily. Just what does it look like without Yurion? And is it 60 cards? Does it just stick to 70 cards and, or mm-hmm. and what what is, what does it evolve into?
1: Yeah. So I have a whole article coming on this to tomorrow at the time of the recording of this or in card kingdom, where you can look at deck lists if you want to see those. But basically I think that the four color deck has to be much more proactive because we no longer have that inevitability and we have the thing to win in Yorion for free. So you have to actually win games, which is the current problem and the thing we're trying to solve for. I think that the most direct solution to that is just to play the elemental stuff with Risen Reef. Um, There was a subset of money pile decks that played Risen Reef before as a way to go over top of the mirrors. But the problem was Risen Reef wasn't good enough against the things trying to go under money pile or over money pile. And so it was like, oh, you're kind of just only playing a deck for the mirror. It's not good enough. And so Risen Reef actually provides you with enough uh card advantage to sort of power through and use your pitch elementals aggressively. So I think something along those lines, where it's a much more aggressively slanted deck, uh, or I should say aggressive mid-range deck is probably where the deck's gonna lie. I think things like counterspell probably actually leave the deck in the next couple of weeks until things change in the metagame and more like ephemerates and stuff like that come in. Uh, or you go in the like five color soupy range and you're playing like Amber cool, the promise and in your main deck, along with cards like Omnath and soul of wind grace. Like that is something I'm doing where it's like, I am all five colors. I have a bunch of threats and I still have things like counter spell, but I just have these game ending cards. I'll take over the game. So I think you have to do something like that, or that the only last place to go is you need to reintroduce the combo to the deck. So when, uh, when I got ninth in Vegas and maybe that's actually when I first came on the show, I got ninth in Vegas, but you played time warp and ephemerate and eternal witness and you played those three and you would take all the turns and that was like, hey, that's how I actually win the game: is I control it and I do this. And we learned that wasn't necessary with Goryon, and it was too clunky. But the Elemental Stacks never really moved away from Time Warp because having Risen Reef and just taking another turn with your Pitch Elementals meant like that's actually good enough. So I think you could see a reintroduction of like a couple Time Warps, a couple Witnesses, and you already want to play three or four Ephemerate in the Elemental Stacks to abuse the Pitch part of the card. So that's the case. I think you can move towards having a combo in game and just be this kind of like mid-range snowball deck that eventually assembles. Oops, I win. So I think and, you have to do time, something like time that.
0: Work, the time warp game plan also has the backup plan of uh, Ren and six ultimating too, right where mm-hmm. you just ultimate Ren and six with one loyalty still. And now you have time warp and Ren and six just take infinite turns from that point onward too, which is always like. I remember when Ren and Six first got printed, there were, like, really jokey tr- attempts to make that a deck, and then now that just all of those cards fit into a shell together naturally, which is what you want for a combo like that. Um, the, I remember when the, Mystic
1: Sanctuary and Ren and Six and Time Warp was a thing. That was, the problem was. was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would like, good turn five, and then now you have turn six, turn seven, turn eight, and it's like, all right, well, now your Ren's there. Like, even if it started, you know, a couple turns late. <laughs> so yep, that was yep, a, yep, a, yep. a real problem in the format, so.
0: Um, and then... The other – well, I guess I guess one question oh, – oh, oh, I was going to say. Uh, so <laughs> my Ben had got a chance to be a boomer uh, modern player. Uh, what about <laughs> as far as inevitable engines in a blue-white shell, uh, Celestial Colonnade? <laughs> just,
1: I, I actually think blue eye control is good. I think if you are trying – if you like playing control decks and you're like, wow, Mason, I really like four-color. Just kind of like playing all these threats and elementals, that's not my game. I think the blue white control deck is good with like main deck
0: chalices. Um, and you, oh, I meant I meant at, I meant in a four color money pile obnaut deck. <laughs> oh no 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 that, no 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 pull down the flyer that costs seven. I, well, mana. So here,
1: here's the fun part: <laughs> leyline binding means you should probably be four colors anyways with the prismatic ending. So don't sure. worry, your blue-eye control deck is a four-color deck, thanks to Triumph, yeah, right. like we talked about earlier. <laughs> so uh, I actually was answering your question, but you know, get rid of Colonnade, put it down, Alex. That time's gone. Pick up Hall of the Storm Giants. It's much better, you know, <laughs> and just move on flying.
0: Though. We just talked about how, how it was It doesn't said. have
1: flying, but it has keyword I'm bigger, and I promise that's better. <laughs>
0: so um. Speaking, uh, speaking of which, uh, Ethereal Forager is the elemental whale we are talking cool. about. <laughs> ethereal <laughs> Forager. I'm Aether uh, whale
1: wasn't really a magic name, I guess. That's on me. <laughs> that, was, that was the
0: trivia <laughs> question, everyone. If you uh, didn't guess that correctly, you have to like, subscribe, and comment uh, your favorite whale in magic. <laughs> um, Mine's uh, the Arena so- Players. <laughs> 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 uh, um. So 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 if you were if you were going to magic 30 and you were playing in the event now, what deck would you take as our as our as as you know, we talked we talked about if you're just coming back to the format fresh, Mm -hmm. fresh into what's going on, Uh, you know, this is your first paper tournament basically since 2020. But Mm -hmm. if you've been playing consistently for the last, you know, through entire period, what what are you with this ban happening, thinking of taking to the event? so i would be hard pressed not to play the breach deck i think the breach deck
1: is one of the strongest decks in the format um and one of my best friends is one of the innovators in the deck and i'm good friends with uh, like the other people so i think i would pretty easily get the rundown that um so that is one of them uh, i do have fears of the breach deck in that it is bad to graveyard hate artifact hate creature hate spot it has a lot of weaknesses it can overcome them because underworld breach is so strong but you do have to fight through those things i played a league before we got on here i just had two force of vigors and beat somebody who was i think playing very well i just had two force of vigors and they couldn't overcome it um so that is a deck that's my first jump to i honestly think and this is this is the boomer take this will be my boomer take of it i think the (laughs) jun saga deck is actually good in modern like i don't know how long it will be good but for like the next two or three weeks into maybe Vegas, I think like the Jun package of like Ragavan, Tarmogoyf, and maybe a Soul of Wind Grace, but really the last threat's Urza Saga. Which Urza Saga, Soul of Wind Grace is a powerful combo. You get your Saga back over and over. But I think really, if you just have Saga, Tarmogoyf, Ragavan, and then Rend to Rebuy Sagas, um, and you have all the removal, you actually have like a really strong game plan that can beat a lot of what the other decks are doing. And there are a lot of really powerful tutor hate cards you can play in your artifact slots that are just main deckable, like Nihil Spellbomb, Pithing Needle, or things that you can play that just do kind of dunk on things like Breach. Um, my sort of answer for an established deck for that sort of thing would be the Rakdo Scam deck is very, very appealing. It is doing a very similar thing without Urza Saga. I'm a big Urza Saga believer. And so now that the card Renan Six, the Renan Six is the strongest card in modern, and I am not tied to playing four colors. I am interested in playing us. Uh, Saga as my fourth color, like my kind of dead lands that run in six uh, breaks. So that is Where something they- I'm really appealing. tides, really appealing. Uh, Hammer's really appealing. And I think Bring the Light Scape Shift might be secretly the like the last soupy four color thing that I'm kind of resistant to. That like might actually be kind of good. But to answer your question, I'm playing some sort of mid range deck that's aggressively slanted or I am playing the breach deck. I think those decks are all quite good uh, and burn is probably actually pretty good right now. Although it's breach matchup is not as good as uh, I think most burn players think it is. So do we think
2: how, how good all time is there a saga? Like our, like, like if you count, like a if you count a whole cycle of lands, like the dual lands or the shock lines or something, fetch lines, that's one in the, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the, that only occupies one in the list. Like, is Urza Saga a top 10 land of all time? If you include every land ever printed?
0: Every non, non-manafixing yeah. land?
2: Yeah. If OG duels are the greatest lands of all time, like if the I original duels are the greatest land of all time.
0: All, all land cycles count as one card. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So fetch like so, fetches one, so okay, so
2: OGs, OGs,
1: F- Strip Mine, Dark Depths. Yep. Dark Depths is somewhere in here, maybe not this high. Uh, Urza Saga is probably for the sake of me forgetting something because I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting because Magic's as old as I am. Technically, it's a month older. Uh, I think I would guess seventh or eighth. That would be Did my you have guess. Like work, you,
2: have, you, have, you have cards like Workshop, you know, what I mean, like you have
0: cards that are like,
2: I,
1: yeah, I don't oh, know Workshop, like, Bazaar, yeah, bizarre bad, those yeah, cards, yeah, those cards are <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: like, I it's would hilarious. say it's, the, it's a top 10 modern land card. Oh, yeah, maybe. for sure. But, but if you now, and uh, modern in the like the real world sense even not if necessarily you invalidate the, like, fixing magic though yeah. if, if you like, invalidate like fixing ex- excluding everything before blo- I, I would block existed before before weather light <laughs> or yeah, not I, weather I would light, take this before. a step
1: further and say that like we're talking lands when it comes to threats which I think Urza Saga is like it is an army in a can especially when combined with renin six it is like an inevitability late game that most decks cannot beat without a card like Dressdown I would argue that my from the hip it is probably top five threats in modern. Like yeah, I think that yeah, bar none. And I think the deck I'm just talking about playing has the other that's the number one best threat in modern. So <laughs> you know I think Ragavan is Ragavan or Murktai, I think are the best threats. And so uh, you know depending on how you look at it. So yeah, yeah, I, I like think Urza I'm, Saga I'm, I mean, is just the strongest one of the strongest cards in modern. So one of the it's one of the great.
0: Like, cards I, of all I, I, time. I think Urza Saga is validating- more more powerful than maybe half the ban list of modern if you
2: invalidate mm-hmm. fix, like fixing right like if you're just talking about lands that are utility then i think it's we're, without a doubt a top 10 land of all time and and there and, are a lot of insane lands
0: from before 2000
2: uh, there's like no mean <laughs> there because there's like there's like strip mine tabernacle bazaar there's like the old like really good ones cradle Library, Rays- oh, yeah the... Tola- yeah it's true yeah it's chasm. Yeah. Okay, you're right. It's but here's the really question:
1: really good, <laughs> this, this is the philosophical question I sometimes pose to friends: Is is Urza Saga a creature land? And if so, I would argue it's the best creature land of all time.
2: Yeah, better than better than Kalaid or MutaVold or like Den of the Bugbear. Uh, yeah,
0: Den is yeah, really good. I think that's that. Fair. that's I fair. Think that's yeah. fair.
1: Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think like actually, okay, okay. Is Urza Saga the best enchantment of all time? uh
1: n- the best nah. enchantment in modern <laughs> no, no. sure <laughs> yeah although <laughs> land is binding a- is quite good <laughs> yeah I think
2: yeah about Urza Saga, though, that's deceptive and i think the reason that that question there's gets so asked, many card types
0: and- that you can <laughs> yeah,
2: i think the reason that that question gets asked and like the reason it's so like okay let's just let's take a card like uh you know uh sure factory Mishra's factory or sorry workshop workshop workshops the three mana one you know that's like obviously an insane rate it's exceptionally good in the archetype that it's good in. it does so much right but it also is only doing that thing in that one style of deck and it's extremely powerful but like Urza Saga like
0: untapped I don't don't think you you can argue that Urza Saga is better than no, no, I'm not arguing
2: that. I think it's worse, but I'm saying when you compare it, it's like what, what saga does, right. It's like an untapped colorless producing land on turn one, and then has the ability to make you a creature and also get you another card. And it costs you nothing. Like you lose your land, I guess is what it costs you. But like, there's there's no downside to it it it, does, it 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 interacts with so many different phases of the game in a way that like the tabernacle at pendraville doesn't like all those really powerful lands from back in the day it's kind of the same concept that we just talked about a second ago with omnath like it's so much but more it's a, it's, than that.
0: it's cryptic command versus counterspell maybe right where right. it's like one of these is so powerful and it's so efficient at what it does but it does one thing versus this thing does 17 things yeah, but mm-hmm. like counterspell,
2: come you know, is a two drop, and 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 um, cryptic's a four drop. Like this is a zero drop, the same as all the lands are. So it's like it doesn't well, have. But, but it makes, it makes I, one I, mana versus three.
0: Like I, I know what I, you're I, saying. It's a I know what you're developer. saying.
2: Sure. I, I think what I'm saying is like the drawback. The drawback of this land is so uniquely different than almost any other land. It's it's very hard to I think put properly in context just how good the card actually is. And I think that in 10 years, when we look back, it might feel closer to those classic ones. It might actually feel closer to like a library or a bazaar. It might actually feel like it's just doing something different that's extraordinarily powerful. Because that's that's what it feels like to me.
1: One of the cool things I like about Saga, though, is that it is the artifact deck should have something, some toy that's cool and powerful to play with. And for a long time, that was Mox Opal. That's like that's your broken thing. You get to do artifact decks but this is so much cooler than you're ahead one turn. You know, like you got one right, more right. mana, you know, like this is way right. more fun. Uh, and so uh, I, I agree Urza Saga is very strong, Um, you know, probably easy top 20 land of all time. And as more artifacts get printed, the power of Urza Saga goes up. It, uh, to use my least favorite words in games, uh, game design, game theory, it scales with the game. Uh, so, you know, it will get better. <laughs> so, uh, well, it has-
0: yeah. Which is like it was the birthing pod problem, and it was mm-hmm. what they quoted was the problem with Stoneforge Mystic for so many years, which is like, mm-hmm. by this card existing, we can't print good equipment anymore. And by this card existing, every creature we make makes this deck makes this card just better, regardless if it's playable in the deck. Just like one point zero zero one percent. Every creature gets printed, makes birthing pot a little bit better. And um, Urza Saga has the same problem with every one mana or zero mana artifact ever printed. Um, okay, so last question. I want to take okay.
1: it real quick. I'm so and I'll give it right yeah. to you. This is We're a complaint, and I want to have to do it on my platform. My coast won't let me do it. I'm so mad that Unfinity didn't have stone forge mystic like Ford F 150 and it searched for a vehicle. I oh, wanted I that so bad. That's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, they had to <laughs> be a copyright. I don't know. I don't, they had to have known it. I don't know. Whatever. I, I'll move on. I had to get that off my <laughs> chest. It's been inside me for a long time now. Continue. <laughs> I, I, I am.
0: I am excited for the vehicle version of Stoneforge Mystic. I don't know yeah. what it's. Well, I guess. I guess kind of greasefang at the moment in Pioneer, but there'll be there'll be more sweet vehicle content for sure. I need my uh, Stoneforge Ford Mystic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think you can do that. I don't know. I, don't, I, I like. Because like, Pioneer like, as as like like away with wild <laughs> things, but. Uh, last 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 question so the opposite for the question we asked which may be a, a bit of a conversation but what were the bad matchups for blue white what was the bad matchups for money piles so, therefore these are decks you shouldn't play because now the deck that they were good against is no longer viable
1: calibrated blast goblin charbelcher. that deck is bad you can only beat me uh there's one more i'm forgetting storm i could not beat storm Uh, I saw people play Jeskai Ascendancy as a way to try and beat us. The Cobalt Coffers deck. Very cool. Really only good against us. Uh, Those, I would say, are the five main culprits of decks that people play. My hot take is that Indomitable Creativity kind of goes in this sort of camp. Not to Mm -hmm. the same extreme of where you can't play it. But I think its biggest strength was that it was good against Four Color. uh, And a lot of those same stuff. And then has a very, oops, I win game plan that is adaptable to once you don't have this pressure. The thing that we, that content creators have to talk about that players sometimes forget is that just because something got banned, there are decks that were like part of the, like weren't part of the metagame and they can come back. But the way they interact with the decks that were there before is very different. Like if a Jun deck is good, the Indomitable creativity deck is going to have a lot of hard times actually succeeding at doing their game plan. Like they will have an early threat and disruption and removal for when you target your thing. And so, like the way that decks moved away from targeting treasures with things like the or clue tokens with hard evidence and gone more into like having this fair grindy plan, it might not be able to do that because it can't actually compete in those kind of games when you're allowed to play smaller ball games. And that is a pretty big thing that we're gonna have to figure out. It might still be around, it might just look kind of different. But you know, Hammer getting a big buff from Money Pile leaving because that was its worst matchup by a lot. And all the Rakdos and Jundex getting a big buff because they just could not beat Money Pile on a fundamental level. That is going to have massive implications. And I'm very excited to see, like, Dothi Voidwalker has been doing really good. How good is Dothy when it's super playable instead of just good?
2: Like, that is game-changing things in modern. And it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. So. Gotta love some Dothi Voidwalker. A lot of pride. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like watching our kid play well in a soccer tournament or something. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, this right. is our opening, to Talk about
1: Blue
0: Lock, more anime. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I I just have something to watch. It's like, it's like being back in the day when like network television was how you watched mm-hmm. TV and you like had to like, all right, I got my TiVo Monday night. It's this Tuesday night. And you got the Thursday night comedy block on NBC anime every night of the week <laughs> um all right mm-hmm. so the, as promised we're going to do the opening and then we're going to do sign-offs so this is an altar sleeve if you uh join our patreon uh at the five dollar level or above you will are going to be able to get a free one of these uh there'll be information on our patreon on how that works um and so i'm just gonna uh, do an opening uh what, why are you quick. open these
1: i have someone at my lgs who uses i think this exact product if i'm not mistaken from the name they look very cool uh, on the cards, like his Ragavan's got this cool little thing we're going to see in a second. Uh, I, I really like them. And that's, you know, I'm not even sponsored by this. So,
0: you know. All right. So they come in a cool, cool tearaway envelope. So two envelopes so far. <laughs> uh, and the artwork from this is by Inkling Customs. Uh, Jess, mm. who's the best. She did all our emotes on Twitch and like half of Magic emotes. Uh, so it comes in a cool thing like this. There's like cool screens in the back. Uh, and then it comes on a card, just slow rolling the reveal. Also, you know, using the power of editing, the artwork will just be on the screen, uh, as soon as I reveal it. Uh, but here it is. These are lightning bolts. Um, mm altar sleeves it is uh me as the emperor shooting ben as luke skywalker with lightning (laughs) wait i haven't even seen Uh, this yet
2: oh because you're waiting open until i was here that's
0: That's so cool. yeah this is a surprise for you (laughs) yeah (laughs) these altar sleeves are really Uh, cool yeah these are great yeah so so uh you know you you always need a cooler lightning bolt uh and so here's here's a way to make it happen uh so yeah if you are a patreon uh for for uh, the $5 level or above you uh, get them uh, from alter sleeves. They'll, they'll, will be like an email that helps you check out. So make sure to check out there. Uh, hopefully the artwork looked really great. Uh, when Rick and Marshall added it. Uh, and uh, thank you once again, to all of our sponsors, please hit that, like and subscribe button and Mason, where can people find you again on the internet uh, at large?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Mason E. Clark underscore. I was wrongfully banned. In the time we've talked since then, I made one joke about Musk buying Watson. I got banned off Twitter. Anyways, that's to note there. uh uh, you can find me uh, at card kingdom each week i write for them you can find me on all podcast services at constructed criticism if you're looking to maybe kind of get better at magic and want to improve i uh, will highly suggest the show i am on i think we do a pretty good job of helping people uh and then you can find me over on patreon patreon.com slash mason clark uh you'll find a bunch of four color stuff and a bunch of other things for modern and pioneer uh with a pretty happening discord community so
0: Awesome. And, and thank you again so much. You're, you're welcome to come on the show anytime. Ben, any, any, any places you want to send people b- before we sign off? Uh, I just, I'm, I'm happy
2: to be back with you guys. I will be in Los Angeles and available for the next several months, which is going to be a huge change. And I'm, I'm so excited about it. Um, I, I've talked about it on here before. The biggest reason I was gone for the last four months was that I was on tour. My first tour ever. I finished it um, two weeks ago in LA. It was a wonderful ending to the tour, uh, obviously I mentioned that I got to do the whole clerks three premiere thing and see the song in the film, which was all just a very exciting summer and, and, um, a wonderful kind of kickoff to the music career. So I have a new song that came out called stop sign came out a few weeks ago. It's doing pretty well and check it out on Spotify. Um, and obviously you guys can find me on any of the socials at Ben Bateman media or Ben Bateman music. Um,
0: but I'd love to interact with you and, you know, check out the music, see if you like it. So that's, that's kind of my unplug. And uh, last but not least So we have a TikTok now as the podcast The, MMcast, uh, the MM podcast on TikTok uh, Renee who was on last week uh, Has been great in helping us kind of watch that And and just up our social game in general uh, So make sure to check that out and, and follow Renee on social as well He's he's great uh, And once again Mason Thank you so much for joining Ben Glad to have you back I'm No longer talking to the void uh, And uh, thank you to all of our patients All of our sponsors And thank you to all of our listeners And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys.
2: This has been a production of Time
0: Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.